The 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, or better known as Honest Abe, said, Kindness is the only service that will stand the storm of life and not wash out. It will wear well, and it will be remembered long after the prism of politeness or the complexion of courtesy has faded away. The New York Times bestselling author, Sharon Salzberg, said this about compassion. She says, that is what compassion does. It challenges our assumptions, our sense of self-limitation, our worthlessness, of not having a place in the world, our feelings of loneliness and estrangement. These are narrow, constrictive states of mind. And as we develop compassion, our hearts open. The speaker, Steve Maroboli, I think, or Moroboli, something like that, an author of the book, The Power of One, is talking about how one act of kindness to one person at a time, one day at a time, can change the world. And he said, a kind gesture can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. Today, we're continuing in our series on spiritual gifts. We're talking about the functional gifts that are found in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And those gifts are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and showing kindness and mercy. See, a Christian's functional gift represents what God does in them to shape their perspective on life and motivate every word and every action that they do. And Romans 12, 3 through 8, describes these basic functions, which are characterized by those qualities and abilities within a believer that God created uniquely inside of you. And through our functional gifts, God makes believers aware of needs that he wants to meet through each one of us for his glory. And then when we see those needs and we act upon them, we can partner with the Holy Spirit and do things beyond our human capability and do them with maximum effectiveness. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And these gifts, they're built into you like personality traits. But it's more than just shaping you to be you. It's because the world needs God. And he decided that the world needs you to be able to lead them to God. And these things that we have, we all have a different mix of these functional gifts. Some of these things come really easy to us and other things not as easy to us. But as the body of Christ, we need all of you functioning at your highest ability so that we can be Jesus to the earth, but also so that we can learn from each other. And this morning, our gift will be t- that we're talking about is the gift of showing kindness or of showing mercy. Romans 12, eight says, if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In the Greek, the word for showing kindness is eleio, which translates to have mercy on, to help one that's afflicted or seeking aid, to help bring help to, or to help bring, to help, oh my gosh, to bring help. It's been one of those mornings, so you're gonna probably have to stick with me a little bit more, but uh, to bring help to the wretched or to experience mercy. Now, this word is a verb. It's not just a thing. It's, it's the action of showing and giving mercy. But what is mercy, then, that we're supposed to be showing or giving? The root word for mercy is aleios. And by definition, it is kindness or goodwill towards the miserable or the afflicted and joined with a desire to help them. So I love that the idea of mercy because it's not, it's, it's being nice. It's there, but it's this inner desire to do so when you see it. It's, it's a hard thing to pass up. Right? You might have this gift if you desire in your heart to care for those who are afflicted, that it's hard for you to drive past the homeless person and not want to do something or to see somebody who has a need and to not respond in a way that you are personally there caring for them. If your fivefold gift is pastor or shepherd, when we talked about those things, then there's a good chance that your functional gift is a mercy shower, 
or that gift of showing mercy. People with this gift are usually empaths, would be a, a kind of worldly word that is um, used for that. They're very in tune with other people's emotions, not just like, hey, I see that you're angry. It's like, I feel your anger. I, I see that you're hurting, but I feel you're hurting. It, it's a step beyond just being able to identify. It's like you are in that situation with them. They're very compassionate people. A mercy giver's basic motivational drive is to sense and respond to the emotional and spiritual needs of others. Those with the mercy functional gift have a divine ability to sense hurt and to respond to it with love and understanding. As with all the gifts that we've talked about, Jesus is our best example of how to be like God in our giftings and to be more like him. In Luke 6:36, Jesus says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And that word compassionate is that same word for showing mercy. And I love that, like, Jesus is like, you have to do this. You have to be like it, because God is like that. And for us to reach the world, we have to be compassionate. In John 8, we see a story of Jesus and his compassion, or his story of showing mercy. Uh, Verses 1 through 11 says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. So I don't know if you're following this. This would be literally kind of this setup. People are here. Jesus was teaching them. People are sitting around. And all of a sudden, these teachers of religious law and these Pharisees dragged somebody in front of all of you, like right here in front of the stage, and they threw this woman down at the feet of Jesus in front of the whole crowd, in the middle of his teaching. So it's disrupting everything. Every eye there was on this situation. And they look to Jesus and they say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? See, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding on an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he began to write in the dust. This is when the accusers heard this. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. And so now it's the crowd, the lady, and Jesus. All the people who came in to condemn her have now left because they realize, I don't, I'm not any better. I'm sure the woman looked up at Jesus and Jesus said, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. This woman was clearly in the wrong. She was caught, well, with probably not much to hide if she was caught in adultery, right? I, who knows if she's even clothed? They might have literally dragged her. That was a the thing. They would like find out and they would just drag her out of the bed, drag her out of the room, wherever they were, and just stone them. So they just drag this woman who's full of shame and guilt for what she's done, throw her in front of a crowd, shame her in front of all these people. And Jesus chose to show mercy. Right, the Bible is very clear that that was deserving of a punishment of death. And I've shared before, when, when Jesus said, he who has never sinned, cast the first stone, Jesus never sinned. He could have chosen to stone her, as the Bible says. But instead, he chose to show mercy, to be compassionate, and he sent her on the way with some truth. 
This is the power that the gift of mercy has. That you show the real heart of God. We need that in our culture for so long. We've been the religious people dragging people in front of Jesus, in front of other people, and trying to shame them for their sin. When Jesus chooses mercy, it's not like, you know, those religious people were doing what they thought was right. And so often we think we're doing what's right. But what Jesus would do was choose mercy. Hosea 6.6, the prophet Hosea, he's speaking for God. He received a word from God that's speaking of God and says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. God desires for there to be mercy. It's literally like, these people, when, when this prophet was speaking, they were so caught up in, in doing the things that the religious people said, you gotta, you gotta have all these sacrifices, you gotta do all these things the right way, and they were struggling and fighting over doing it right, and God's like, I, that's not even what I'm here for. I just want people to acknowledge me, and they'll never know me if you're, not, if you're all caught up in, in this sacrifice and caught up in, in doing things so correctly that you forget about mercy that I desire. If that's what God wanted most, he would never have sent Jesus. When we do show mercy first, when we come in that that heart of giving and showing mercy, it gives an opportunity for us to speak truth into their lives. And just like that, that woman, she was literally moments away from death. And Jesus saved her life by showing her mercy, anything Jesus said at that moment, she would have done. She owed everything to him. So now there's the question, how often do we keep forgiving or do we keep showing mercy to people? Jesus was asked this question by one of his disciples in, Math, in Mark eight, or no, Matthew 18, 21 through 22. So then, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Who sins against me? Seven times? You know, and that's a good guess because he's like, I know the Bible and seven comes up a lot. So seven times? Jesus is like, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And that doesn't mean 490 times, right? This was just an expression really just saying way more, as much as you can. It doesn't mean when you hit 491, you're just like, "Eh, sorry, no more. You know, right? Jesus said 490, you know, the end. It, It literally translates over in the original language to kind of just countless is kind of the point. It's just seven times lots more of multiples of seven. Just keep it going for forever. Right, but mercy is not just forgiveness. It's in that feeling of how others people, or feeling how other people feel. Jesus 12 times in the gospel says that he was moved with compassion to act upon someone else's behalf. That phrase in the Greek translates to him feeling what they were feeling in his bowels, right? That's how I feel after I eat Taco Bell, you know? Uh, but it says that he ached because they ached. He was sad because he felt how sad they were. They, it says that one time he looked upon people and he felt how lost they were because they were sheep without a shepherd. Like, and it wasn't just that he acknowledged that. It says that he felt it inside of him the same way they feel. 
One of my favorite stories of Jesus, especially in showing mercy or being moved in compassion, is in Luke 7, 12 through 15. It says, Jesus and his disciples were traveling into the next town, and a funeral procession was coming out as they approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and the large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. And he walked over to the coffin. And he touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Right? Like, that's literally like, you know, when the, the funeral procession's coming down the road, and everyone has their four ways on, you see it? Like, they'd be like you pulling out in traffic and stopping them, the first car, and you open up the back of the hearse, and you're like, hey, he's not dead. Right? And all of a sudden, he's shouting from inside, who put me in this box? You know, and like, that's how crazy this is. But Jesus, like, you, you ever been in that situation where you see a funeral going by and you just feel for them because they lost somebody? Literally, that's what happened to Jesus. He's just walking through a town, sees a funeral procession, and he just come overwhelmed with the compassion that he feels for that person. He, he has to respond. And that's the kind of power mercy showers have when you act upon that. When you feel that compassion and you act upon it, you can invite all these other spiritual gifts in that we've been talking about through our access through the Holy Spirit, like miracles, like the gift of healing, like these things when you, when you respond there. That's Jesus' heart. If Jesus sees you responding, you know, and you're like, it's really nice to see, like to do something kind on your own and you feel that. But when you watch somebody else do something kind, it's like just as heartwarming. It's not like Jesus feels when he sees his children, his people that he cares about out being kind to others. Like, of course he's gonna come alongside you and support you in that and show up in ways that we can't even imagine. Some of the common characteristics of mercy givers are that they have a deep loyalty to their friends. A person with the gift of mercy will demonstrate loyalty to a friend, including kind of reacting harshly towards other people who attack them. In Luke 9, 53 through 54, it says, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? I'm just letting you know, like sometimes as Christians, we, stay, we, we say weird things and wrong things and it happened in the Bible, so it's okay. But the apostle John, he had the gift of mercy. We'll see as we go through this, but he watched these Samaritans reject Jesus. And because he loved Jesus so much and he was so loyal to him, he's like, let's call down fire from heaven. Let's burn those people up. We don't have to deal with them. They'll never say anything else. We don't have to worry about them. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is like, John, that's not what we do, you know. <laughs> Sprayed him with water. I don't know what he did. Uh, but we have these good traits. You know, that's a great trait to have deep loyalty. But if we misuse that trait, we, we often will take up offenses that aren't ours to take up let alone will just be offended pretty easily. Mercy givers tend to take up an offense for someone who is being hurt by another person, especially if it's someone who's their friend. And because of that response, it can lead to being bitter. They also have a desire for deep friendships. The nature of a mercy giver, a mercy shower, requires these close friendships. These friendships must be based on this mutual commitment that they feel and they want it to be reaffirmed often. They want to hear it often. John, the Apostle John, they enjoy, he enjoyed this kind of friendship with Christ. 
Not only was he closer to Christ than most of the other disciples, when Jesus, there's multiple times he only picked a few of his disciples to go with him, John was always one of those that got to go and to see him and different, do different miracles that nobody else saw. But John, even in his own book, referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved five times. He was very well loved, not very humble. No, um, but because he needed that deep relationship with Jesus. But because of this trait, it could lead someone to become possessive, right? Because of the mercy shower's deep need for commitment and a close friendship, that it can cause them to try and monopolize the time and attention of those people. And they don't feel, they're not okay with seeing their friends going and helping others when maybe they're in a time of need because they want that deep friendship always reaffirmed back to them. And if they experience disappointment in one friendship, they often try and put more demands on another friendship. A mercy giver empathizes with hurting people, as we've been talking about. They're able to sense who is hurting, and they can share in that pain with them. But they also, it's not just about pain and bad emotions. They also feel joy with other people, or they, that, that hope that somebody else has. Or they can maybe even become confident by being around other people who feel confident. And John wrote about this in his first epistle. He, multiple times throughout the, the book of 1 John, he says, I'm writing to you to, because I want to share our hope. I want to share our joy. I want to share our fellowship and our confidence. And so in 1 John 1, 4, he says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Because of this trait in a misuse ways can lead to tolerating evil, right? Because they don't, um, if they don't have spiritual discernment on why people are suffering, they may give sympathy and encouragement and lead people to be okay with where they're at when God might be using their situation to try and move them somewhere else. Be like showing up to Jonah in the, inside the whale and being like, yeah, this is a sucky situation, but it's okay that you're here, bud. You know, that's all right. I don't know how I got here either, but I'm here for you because we have no one else. But, you know, that Jonah was in the middle of a lesson because he had been doing things wrong and was it people, you can come alongside them and feel with them, but you need to make sure that why they're, the reason that they're there, and let Holy Spirit guide you and bring that discernment into that situation. Jude 22, 23 says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. So like, it's that it says twice there, show mercy, show mercy, because that's what first we need to do, but we also need to be aware of, of sin and, and be aware with a great caution of the lives that they're living. But you just need to make sure that they're in a safe place. When you're empathizing with them, um, someone just like, you know, Jesus and his compassion, they're, they're to lead us away from sin and towards God. And if your compassion and mercy is leading them to stay on a path that's not towards God, then you know, just at least reevaluate your situation. Mercy showers also make decisions based on benefits, right? They, they, they're very hard people to have firm answers because they don't want to offend other people. Um, the mercy shower must see like the greater hurt and more offenses could happen when they're not being decisive, when they're not being firm in a situation. Um, when John was faced with denying Jesus, in the book of Acts, he demonstrated boldness and decisiveness in that moment. Um, unlike Peter, who, when he first was approached about it, he was like, well, I don't know that guy. I didn't really walk with him. But John stood up at that moment. 
even though he knew, like, yes, I'm loyal to my friend, but I'm, I could be really hurt in this situation, so maybe I don't want to be here, you know. But in Acts 4.13, it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Again, this can cause you to not be decisive or not be firm. Um, if you're in the gift of leadership and you have mercy as a higher gift that you tend to move in, you might avoid disciplinary action to other people or, or approaching people that you're in conflict with because you don't want to have conflict. You don't want to be a part of that. And, and so you kind of ignore it and instead of, I don't know, approaching things biblically and moving past those things. You're also deeply sensitive, deeply sensitive to loved ones. The gift of mercy showers carries with it the ability to sense genuine love. Therefore, it, it, they tend to be way more open, more vulnerable to people. And being more open usually leads to more hurts because the more you're open, the more chance you have to being hurt. John, again, Apostle John, in, in all of his books, in all of the books he wrote in the New Testament, he used love more frequently than anyone else because he was so open to that. But the misuse of this trait, which is great, we need that. We need to learn how to be vulnerable. We've talked about this before, that vulnerability is what leads to unity and, and leads to community that we need and what Jesus asks of us. So we need to be open and we need mercy showers to be open to us so that it allows us to be open. But it can also cause you to lean too much on emotions instead of reason at times. It can lead to moments where you're kind of rejecting what God may be saying to you or what the Bible is saying to you because you're like, oh, that could hurt somebody or put me in a bad place or something else, and you're worried about feelings more than the things God wants to do. Also, mercy showers, you, you tend to attract other people who are in distress. Because of your deep sense of compassion for those people, other people are drawn to that. And the sensitivity you know, causes those with hurts to just want to come and open up to you, mostly because you are vulnerable and you're open as well, right? As Christ was dying, he handed the responsibility of taking care of his mother over to John because he saw how well John took care of people and how well he loved people. Out of all of his disciples, he said, John, can you take care of my mom? Right, and that, that's something we so need, but if you feel that, like, man, everybody in my life is always going through something, there's a good chance you're a mercy shower and they get drawn to you because they need that in their lives. But you also have to watch out for this because it, it can cause a dangerous situation where people rely unhealthily on you and not on God. This can put you in some bad situations where you can't take care of a need for them in a moment and it leads them away from God instead of closer to them because they've been pointed to you more than they've been pointed to God. We also have to be really careful here with um, situations with the opposite sex or um, romantic like if you're in a relationship with other people coming to you and that those feelings of somebody caring for them and being so sensitive and open to them can lead to romantic feelings that can cause a lot of problems. Um, like seriously. So just be aware of that. Then also, as a mercy shower, you desire to remove hurts. Some of these things are really similar to someone who is a gifted encourager or, or a gifted exhorter. Um, because they want to come alongside people, they feel what they're feeling, they get down in the trenches with them, and, and they want to encourage and exhort them through it. But a, a mercy shower wants to get in, instead of helping them through it, they just want to remove them from the situation. 
right? And sometimes that's what people need. They just need separated from that hurt because they haven't been able to move past it and get away from it. You know, um, John in his first epistle, 1 John 3, 14 through 15 says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers do not have eternal life within them. Because he was so caught up. I just want to remove people that are hurting people. I just want to remove people from hurt in their situations. But again, this could be one of those things where you've taken people out of God's purpose in that moment. That maybe God has allowed them to go through this time of of suffering or of hardship to build character that they need or to receive more grace in those moments. And maybe you need a partner with an encourager and say, hey, where are these people at right now? Are we removing them? Are we walking with them through it? Um, But help, you know, dig into the Bible, spend time with God, have the Holy Spirit be someone who gives you the right perspective in these situations so that you can help them through it. Because maybe God needs them there and you keep trying to pull them out and they keep falling back in and then they become bitter to God. Because this person said that if I'm praying and I'm doing these things, you're gonna remove me from this. But as with all the gifts, we're all called to do them. This is not just for people who already have the gift of showing mercy. We've covered this in you know, all of our series that we're all called to do these things. And so sometimes we need to partner with somebody who's good at showing mercy so that we can learn how to do the same. But let's look at a couple more verses that direct us to be compassionate and to have mercy. Matthew 6.15 says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. We are called to forgive, to show mercy as Jesus did, even for the sake of our own forgiveness. And I believe that this is so much more than just for those who have wronged us, but also letting go of other people's like past mistakes in history as well. Right? It's crazy to me that a church can preach God has forgiven you and forgot about all your sins and stuff of the past, but often the church still holds people people's past against them. It's part of this because we're not showing the mercy and forgiveness to let go of those things as God has. And maybe if you're struggling with that, partner up with somebody who has this gift of mercy, who's able to say, hey, we're not letting those things define them anymore. God has made them a new creation. He's changed those things. God and Jesus are always showing mercy. They're always restoring people back to their calling throughout their lives, Old and New Testament. James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds, and it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. When we are living as God intended, we must be full of mercy. And there's a purpose for that, because Romans 2.4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin, right? God is kind, he's tolerant, he's patient so that his loving kindness will lead people to turn away from their sin and turn to him. And when we are living mercifully, when we are showing kindness, when we are bringing our loving kindness to people, it'll cause them to turn away from their sin and lead them to God. Now, the Bible does say when we we know and we recognize truth that it'll set us free. But often people do not accept truth until they've been shown mercy. Just like the adulterous woman, Jesus literally stepped in that moment of life and death for her and shown mercy so of course he could speak the truth. There's also a right attitude to do this. And Paul in uh, Romans 12, 8, like we started the sermon off with, says if you're showing kindness, then do it gladly. Right? This means don't be kind just because you have to. I mean, you should, 
But don't be like, I just want to help you and your stuff because Jesus said, and I don't know. You know, whatever. You got to do it gladly. Right? It's not, it's not there if you're, if you're not coming across doing it gladly and cheerfully. Then you're not doing it as Jesus. The Greek word translates there that gladly to cheerful or joyously, to be merry and willing. It's actually the same word we get hilarious from. That's the amount of joy that you should have when you're showing mercy to people, right? When you know somebody's wronged you or you've seen somebody hurting, you go to them and not like, oh, you know, I, I, I see where you're at. I know you're in a hard time, so I'm here to help you because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, no, I'm glad to help you. I am so excited to help you. I'm so happy. I find it hilarious. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. It's weird. But, <laughs> but that's the kind of joy God has when he shows you mercy, right? When you sin and you have to go to God and you say, God, I'm so sorry. He's not disappointed. He doesn't look at you sad like, oh, I have to forgive you because I'm God, right? He has the biggest smile on his face, the most loving arms to wrap around you. He feels and understands your pain and is willing to look upon you with joy to forgive you even though you put yourself in that situation, He understands where you're at, your greatest desires, your emotions, and he responds with something even greater, the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his mercy upon your life. Before we end, can everyone just close their eyes? Maybe today's the first time you've heard about the mercy of God, at least maybe in this way, understanding that God desires mercy more than anything else. Maybe you've been a little hardened against God because all you've heard is things that God hates. And some of those things maybe are a part of you. And you feel condemnation and you feel shame, and especially when it comes to church and things of God. But I'm here to tell you that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God of the Bible. Jesus not only stood between life and death of that adulterous woman and chose to show her mercy, Jesus has done the same for you. He not only said, I know what the punishment for your sin is and that you deserve because you have done wrong and then choose to show you mercy, but he took the punishment and he defeated sin, innocently dying a criminal's death on a cross then coming back to life three days later so that you don't have to deal with that punishment. But you have been shown mercy joyously. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. You're the joy. You, you put a smile on his face even when he was on the cross, knowing that, it, that he'd be able to show you mercy, that he'd be able to show you his loving kindness. And that is a love that has no boundaries and mercy that never runs out. And this forgiveness, this mercy is just sitting here waiting for you to take hold of it and walk in it. The only step to accepting the forgiveness that God has for you is just to believe that it is true, that Jesus did die and defeat sin through his resurrection so that you could be shown mercy to have a better life with Jesus. It's just that decision of believing that Jesus did those things for you. If you want to make that decision today, would you raise your hand? Thank you, guys. Put your hand down. Maybe if you're online, if you just want to put me in the comments or, or something like that, someone will reach out to you and be praying with you. Let me pray for you guys today.
God, I'm always just overwhelmed when I start to talk about your mercy because I know that in my life, I've done enough wrong that I don't deserve it. God, and it blows me away every time I read these verses and I start to understand who you are as a, a being. But that even in my mistakes, even in my deserving of punishment, you don't come and forgive me with a disappointment, but you come and forgive me joyously. That you show mercy joyously for, for me. That you do it gladly, cheerfully. You're just so happy to forgive everybody who has done wrong. You're a loving God with open arms, a love that runs deeper than any sin, or any bad thing in our lives, and mercy that runs farther than we could ever run from you. God, and I pray that you would help us today to go from these doors as being people who show that same mercy to people. That we don't have it into our forgiveness and into our compassion for people. But God, that you would just pour out that same mercy and compassion upon us that we could spread it to the world around us, Lord. God, that we'd be able to celebrate with those who celebrate, weep with those who weep, hurt with those who hurt, so that your loving kindness would spread through the earth, Lord, and people would be drawn back to you. God, I pray that you would help the mercy showers in our church to rise up, that we'd be able to acknowledge and see that gift and we could learn from them, and they would help lead us and direct us in the, the ways of your mercy. God, and then that we would be able to look to them as an example for us that are not gifted that way, and that we'd be able to grow in our mercy giving as well. God, again, thank you for the mercy you've shown us, the example that you've laid before us. God, and for those people who made a decision to say, I, I'm gonna believe in that forgiveness that Jesus has for me. God, I pray that you would let them be just feel washed over right now. God, that all those sins of their past, all those things that they've been holding on to that they haven't been able to forgive themselves of, God, that you would just wipe that away. There is no shame. There is no condemnation when it comes to Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. If you made that decision today, the one way to really commit yourself to believing this is to tell someone, right? So a lot of things we believe don't really feel true until we say them. So please share it with somebody today. And if you did it online, you know, share with it right there in the comments or um, click the connect with us link so that we can um, know that you've made this decision and we'll reach out to you. Before we leave, I got one last thing for you guys, so don't go real quick, right? If you made that decision, would you just raise your hand and keep it up? This is a quick way to be able to tell everybody right now that you're like, hey, I've made this decision for Jesus. All right, I want to say, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. All right, keep your hands up, or I'm almost done. You don't have to hold it up forever, but... Uh, First, I want to say, you know, maybe consider baptism next week as it's the, the outward showing to other people that you've chosen to follow Jesus. And um, if you want to know more about that, you could talk to me later. But if you are a gifted mercy shower, find those people with their hands raised. Hands raised. Some people put their hands down. I'm just kidding. Uh, but seriously, find those people and love on them as Jesus would right now and, and welcome them into the arms of Christ as he would want to, you know, that we get to do it physically. So thank you guys. Margaret Mead said, never doubt a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens that can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Go and be merciful like Jesus today. <laughs>